Good to see you. Big day, finishing up the book of James. We'll be in James chapter 5, and we'll be talking about prayer. Let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Father, this morning we're going to be talking about talking to you through prayer. Help us to believe that you hear and answer prayer according to your word and according to your will. We are reminded of your answers in the past as you remember Martin Luther King Jr. this weekend, how you used him to push back the darkness of injustice. And the prayers of your people were answered in many ways. Think about your answers just yesterday of the prisoners being released in Iran along with a pastor, and a journalist, and others. Many, many prayers were asked over the years for their release, and you answered. And Lord, we see answers uh, often in our lives, in our world, but sometimes we have doubts, and we wonder if you hear us, and if you will answer, when will you answer? And we have a struggle, we have difficulties. So this morning, Lord, as we get into your word, help us to believe that you hear us, uh, and you answer according to your will and according to your time. And, and when we have these delayed Answers from you, may we not give up, but continue to pray without, without uh, ceasing. All for your glory, in Christ's name, amen. So hopefully today's going to be this encouraging call to prayer, to press on in prayer, to actually see some of your prayers answered in real time, in real ways. And you may wonder, how does all this prayer work if God is sovereign and he's working out his will in this world, do our prayers actually mean anything? Do our prayers have uh, any difference in this world? And, and I'm trying to tell you that your praying uh, can actually have an impact on real history uh, and uh, impact on in real time. And I can't explain the mystery. I was talking to a guy uh, this past week, and we were getting real theological about how God may intervene in history. And we were talking about a, a child helping um, his mom or her mom bake cookies. And we were getting real th- theological about this. And we were saying, well, the kid is he's mixing the, the stuff to make the cookies and the cookies are made. Uh, is the kid really doing something? And we would say, yes, yes. The kid is actually mixing and putting stuff in. The kid is participating in what is being made so that we can eat and enjoy. And we would say that, that somehow, in some way, in God's mystery and under his sovereignty, that when we, we are praying, our prayers actually have an impact at somehow, in some way, under God's sovereignty that are answered with real results on this earth. Really, you can pray and, and you can see answers in real time, in real history, under the sovereignty of God. And so this morning, we're going to finish off the book of James with a call to prayer. Now, if you're just joining us in James, I'm going to give a little quick recap, if you don't mind. Uh, James is uh, addressing an oppressed church, and he's calling them to endure suffering and to exhibit their faith in action. Not only were they to remain steadfast in the midst of these rich uh, people who are oppressing them, but they were to show no partiality and to work extra hard at serving orphans and widows and the poor. In addition, they were to live a life of holiness and keep themselves unstained from the world in their actions and even their speech. 
he's basically exhorting them to live a life of enduring faithfulness. And one of the ways that you live a life of enduring faithfulness is through prayer. So James finishes his book, like many New Testament books, uh, finished on a call and on a note of prayer. So let's go ahead and jump into James 5, where we're at here at the end. And I'm just going to read through it um, uh, verse by verse. And we'll just start with one verse today and then keep moving through the rest of our time. With James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Let me read it. Is anyone among you suffering... Let him pray. If you're here this morning and you are suffering physically, pray. If you're suffering emotionally, pray. If you're suffering spiritually, pray. And during times of suffering, you may wonder, okay, I'm suffering and I'm supposed to pray, but what does that look like? How shall I pray? Well, if you remember, James starts his book by pointing in the right direction. In the context of suffering and trials and tribulations, James offers a certain prayer in James chapter 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. The context is suffering. In your suffering and in your problems, you are to ask God for wisdom. Wisdom for what? If you're suffering, you have pain, wisdom for what? Well, I think I could break it down in two ways. When you're asking God for wisdom, you're asking God for wisdom for perspective in your suffering, and you're asking him for guidance in your suffering. When you're going through hard times, you need perspective to know that God is still in control He still has a plan. He's working it out. Though I do not understand it all, I need him to give me perspective. This past fall, as many of you know, our worship leader, uh, Andy, who's up here this morning, was in a uh, a bike accident uh, with a a car on the street. And if if you've you've heard, he broke his jaw and he uh, shattered and broke uh, several of his teeth. And if if that happened to any of us, it would be a very devastating accident. But for him, even more so, he he makes a living. His ministry is leading us in worship. In addition, this past fall, he started a PhD over here at Northwestern in clarinet. And little did I know, you need good, healthy teeth to to play the clarinet. So just totally uh, a devastating time this past fall. And the appropriate prayer... Uh, for Andy during this time as we were praying for him is that, that God would give him uh, the wisdom of perspective, that, that God has not left him, that God still has a plan even though you may not see it. We we're praying for perspective. Another thing you want to pray in your suffering for wisdom is you want to pray for guidance because you don't know what to do sometimes. You're like, Lord, tell me what to do. Will you please guide and direct me through these times of suffering? May you please come and intervene for me and show me what I'm supposed to do. So a very appropriate prayer while you're suffering is praying for uh, perspective and guidance. If you will notice today, we have, um, we have four pieces here of art here and over here, back in the corner, over there in the corner. These are art pieces made from our James Story Project where people in our congregation tell their story to some artists 
who've interpreted their journey um, artistically. Last week we had a song, this week we have art pieces. Um, over here you can read the story later on um, of a couple in our church who uh, lost a child uh, soon after after birth, and, and we were praying, and God chose to do things uh, in, in his sovereign will. It's a very moving time of when we were suffering, we were praying. Over here, you'll see uh, this is balloon. You can't see it very well, but the bottom of this balloon is a man being held up by this balloon, but right on top of it is a nail, <laughs> really close to popping it. It's like, so God is holding us up, and yet uh, the, it's getting pretty dicey there. So you can just check these pieces out later. But uh, in each of these stories, there'll be times of suffering. And when we are suffering, we should pray for wisdom, for perspective, and for guidance. James continues on. Look what he says again in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. So the flip side of praying in hard times is praising in good times. If things are going well, then praise the Lord. Just like we would say, hey, if you're suffering, pray. And if you are blessed, praise. Don't Waste your suffering by failing to pray. And at the same time, we would say, don't waste your blessings by failing to praise. We want to give praise and thanksgiving to God when he does answer prayers. Praise and thanksgiving to God. There are many things in our life we can be grateful for. In our suffering, pray. And our blessings, praise. James gets even more specific, specifically in our time of suffering. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, it's not that the sick person can't pray for themselves or that you sitting next to someone else can't pray for one another. But here James specifically indicates that the spiritual leaders of the church are to be called for prayer. Uh, the sick person is probably uh, bed-bound, and they are to call for the elders of the church. And these spiritual leaders of the church are to go to the sick person, and as it says here, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. What's going on here with this oil? I brought some today. Some think that the interpretation here is that the oil is like uh, medical like you would use it in, in, a, in a physical healing, like medicine. And the idea, they thought maybe the elders would go to someone's house and they would pray for them and they would bring some medicine along, some oil uh, to heal them. And others interpret this more as a, um, maybe some of you have this sacramental background where the priest would maybe anoint someone uh, in preparation for death. But the context here is not death. The context is healing, and it's probably best to see the oil as symbolic. What is the symbolism if it is symbolic? What does that mean? Well, if in the Old Testament, you can think about a priest. A priest was anointed with oil or poured oil on them, which set them apart for the special service for God. In the Old Testament, you would see a king anointed with oil and set apart for God's use. So when the elders anoint a sick person with oil, 
It's to show that they are, are set apart for God's special care. That they are set apart for God's compassion and mercy to be aimed at them. That's why we anoint with oil. And the elders here at Evanston Bible Fellowship are available to do this at any time. There'll be times where people will call us or text us and say, can you please bring the elders over and, and bring over oil to pray for my sick kids, my sick friends, my, my sick neighbors, uh, and we will go and visit some of your homes and condos and, and we will pray and anoint you with oil. But there are times at least once a month where we like to uh, put out a general call during our worship time where we will have this opportunity for you to come and ask the elders for prayer. And we're going to do that today. Near the end of our service, we will worship and the elders and their wives will be available for prayer. And you can come up for prayer about anything. Maybe you need uh, prayer and wisdom for perspective and guidance. Maybe you need to come up with the elders and praise God for answering your prayers. Or maybe you need to be anointed with oil and prayed for healing. It's a crucial role of the elders to pray for the sick and the suffering. And these men in the church are your shepherds who care for you, the flock, and they're available to pray for you anytime. Let's continue on. Verse 15. Look at verse 15. We are told, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Look at it again. The prayer of of faith. Maybe you come from backgrounds where that is misunderstood or misappropriated or uh, a variety of issues with the prayer of faith. I'm just going to keep it simple. The prayer of faith is, is one who believes that God can intervene and heal. The prayer of faith that believes that God can move in a powerful way and heal under his sovereign choice. And this faith is expressed in crying out to God to heal and trusting God with the results. And the healing is brought about by God, and, and it's not about the extent of the person's faith. Maybe some of you have been made to feel guilty that you didn't have enough faith in the past for God to heal you or heal your parents or heal, heal your kids. Uh, we're not, it's not about making you feel guilty that you don't have faith. Jesus talks about some pretty small faith, the mustard seed, and God will do mighty things even with, with, with small faith. This, this, it, the focus here is not on the faith, but on God who can heal. And so we, we pray and we trust him for the results. Many years ago, uh, an elder in our church, some of you may know Jerry Kleitner and I, went to uh, the hospital. We were called there. There was a, a, a newborn with, with complications that were pretty bad. And it wasn't, wasn't quite clear what, whether the child was going to live at all. In fact, it looked pretty, pretty dim. So uh, Jerry and I went into the ICU, uh, and we anointed this baby with oil, and we prayed uh, in faith for God to heal this child, and it's, it's no joke, it is a miracle. This child is, is, is older now in our church and is a worshiper of Jesus, and we, we, are, we, we saw a miracle. It was unbelievable. And we've seen that from time to time. Uh, and, and it's a really God working these miracles. But there have been times, and, and some of you know these times who have been with us over the years, where we have anointed someone with oil and prayed with them with just as much faith as we prayed for that, that little child. And the person never got better. 
and some have died and gone to be with the Lord. And it's, it's very hard and sad, but we, we pull back and we say, okay, God, you're in control. You know what you're doing in your sovereign plan. And we move forward and we pray in faith for those to be healed. And if God chooses not to heal them on this earth, but eternity in heaven with him, we trust his sovereign will. But we are just called to step out in faith and pray. And as best as we see to us, God, we pray for healing. But we ultimately trust your sovereign control. Now we're going to transition in a bit in the text. And this next portion Maybe something you've never heard before, and it may be alarming to some of you, so it really calls for careful explanation. Because James is about to talk about some people who are sick because of their own sin. Let's go. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James throws out the possibility that some sickness is connected with sin in the person's life. Not all sickness. Do not make the mistake of assuming that sickness is always related to some specific sin. The disciples made that mistake once when they saw a man blind from birth. Remember this story from John chapter 9, verses 2 and 3? Remember that? John 9, 2 and 3? And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed. Jesus said, this is not a past sin issue or even his sin issue. This is something so God can display his works. And so Jesus goes on to heal the man, but first he corrects his disciples for equating sickness with some particular sin in this guy's life. However, there are occasions where the Bible seems to indicate that that sickness is connected with sin and is discipline from the Lord. What kind of sin would cause sickness? Maybe there's a hint here in our text. Uh, We see in verses 19 and 20 of some people straying from the Lord. Look at verse 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. When a straying sinner is is brought back to the truth, their soul is saved, we are told, from this spiritual death and hell. And I'm, I'm led to believe there are occasions that when they are brought back, that their bodies are healed as well from from a physical sickness caused by sin due to the context here. Another example, if you remember, comes from the Corinthian church 
where many believers were observing the Lord's Supper, communion, and in an unworthy manner. They were disrespecting one another and being kind of uh, very selfish. And in turn, some of them were getting sick. In fact, some of them were even dying. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 29 through 30. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. <laughs> so because of their sin, some of them are weak, they're ill. Some have just flat out died because of their sin. So James is calling the sick person to examine their lives and see if they need to confess. Do you notice verse 15 holds a big if. See it there again? And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So how can you tell if your sickness is connected to your sin? It's a good question, right? And I'm not exactly sure. But we've seen people, maybe you've experienced, where you have confessed sin in your life and you find that physical healing has followed. But I can't quite exactly be sure how to examine it now, but you've got to admit that when we are sick and when you're laid in bed or something that's bothering you, we we tend to naturally, and we should, do this self-examination and taking stock of our lives And perhaps in our illness and sickness may be a time where uh, we will confess sins and we'll confess it to God, we'll confess it to one another, and there are times we may be healed. So I don't want to make you totally paranoid that your sickness is related to sin because it may have nothing to do with any particular sin in your life. But at the same time, James is bringing out the possibility there may need to be some confession in your life because you're experiencing some sickness as discipline from the Lord to get your attention. Let's keep going. James is going to branch out beyond the prayer of the elders and include the rest of the church. Look at verse 16 again. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The righteous person is not some super believer. It's just simply someone clothed in the righteousness of Christ and exhibits the righteous life. You don't have to be some super powerful Christian to to, to pray powerful prayers. I believe that every single believer in here who takes the time and the initiative can pray powerful and effective prayers that are actually answered in real time and in real history. Because I don't know if you know this, but you have unblocked access to the Father through Jesus. We believe in the gospel of Jesus that we were once separated from a holy God. He came down to this earth, lived a perfect life that we couldn't live, died on the cross, bore the wrath of God, buried, rose again. The call is repentance and belief for everyone. And all who repent and believe in Christ can be forgiven of their sins, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and have this access to the Father where we can come to him boldly in the name of Jesus and pray big prayers. We can ask him anything we want according to his will, and in his time and his way, he will answer. 
We do not have to be some super Christian to see our prayers answered. And James wants to give you an example of how that's the case. Look at the example of the prophet Elijah. Verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Many of you know the background here. This is Elijah. He's battling King Ahab over Israel's idolatry in 1 Kings 17 and 18. Remember, a drought came to punish the people of Israel for bowing to other gods. And in the midst of this, uh, Elijah prayed that it would stop raining, and it stopped. Three plus years later, Elijah prays, and the rain comes back. And Elijah is this huge, obviously, prayer warrior. But the point of the text is he was a man, he was a human being, just like you. As it says in verse 17, with the nature of like ours. And as Elijah prayed these huge prayers as this mighty prayer warrior, you can too, praying in line with God's will to see answers in your life. You see, I think if you really believed and understood that God is, is ready to hear you and answer according to his will, and he wants to do he wants to do some pretty big things. Jesus says we will do greater things than he did while on this earth. And we ask according to his will, our father hears us and he wants us to answer. There's lots and lots of verses like that. And, and I believe that if we really believe that, what would it do with our prayers in our, in our prayer life? If, if God answered your prayers, so I just want to kind of throw this out to you right now. If God answered the prayers that you have been praying recently, what would it look like? If God has been, if he answered the prayers that you've been praying recently, what would it look like? So, and I'm not, not dogging on these prayers at all because all prayers are good, but, but would it be like, God, help me pass this test? Not, not a bad prayer. I've prayed it before. Or would it be, God, help my baby sleep in the night? Amen. <laughs> right? I prayed that. Many times. But, but I'm wondering if we have access to the Father and we can ask anything and he wants to do great things kind of in line with what he did through Elijah, Jesus saying we're going to do greater things than he. It seems as if we should pray to pass the test and baby sleep for the night, but it seems like we should branch out a bit, right? Like say, Lord, you know, we want to see our friend, our coworker, our neighbor, our, our Muslim friends, we want to see them converted. So give me boldness, God, to share the gospel with them. And Lord, awaken them to know Christ. It seems like, we're like, Lord, we see that there's a lot of suffering in the world. Lord, I just ask that you would give me the power to go and intervene and bring forth some fruit to care for those who are suffering. God, it seems like that you may want me to leave for some of you this summer and go on a mission trip. God, give me some money so I can go. Lord, give me some money so I can, can give away aggressively. It seems as if we should be praying some pretty big prayers that go in line, of course, with Elijah because we have access to the Father. So I'm not downplaying any of the prayers that we may pray on a daily basis. Keep it up. But we could ask God some pretty big things. 
And I think if we believe that, maybe our prayers might shift a bit. And we may say, God, you know what? Create in me a heart where I could be a man who's praying some prayers. From Lord, help me to lead my family, to Lord, help me to be caring for others so much that I'll share the gospel with him. We should just pray these, these big prayers. And don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, when you find that God is answering your prayers in real time and in real history because somehow under his sovereignty, it all plays out. Uh, where on one hand, I can tell you, if you do not pray, such and such is not going to happen because you didn't ask and then at the same time, I can tell you, if you pray, don't be surprised if God's answered. And at the same time, I can tell you that God's sovereign. <laughs> and you go, well, how does that fit? How's it all mixed together? And I say, my brothers and sisters, in a sense, it's a mystery, but I know the word of God says pray. Pray. And keep praying. And pray bold and big prayers like Elijah. And to think like this, your father loves you and your father wants to bless you by answering your prayers. And as he answers your prayers, you're like, God, you are real. Forgive me for not praying boldly and often. And as he answers your prayer, you say, Lord, we are, I'm really involved here in some way under your sovereignty that you care to answer my prayers. Because he is a loving, heavenly father. And the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us that he wants to give good gifts to his children. If God wants to give good gifts to his children and his children are sitting around going, ah, Lord, please, please, Lord, just get me out of this traffic. <laughs> it's like, I want to give you more. Come on, ask me for big things. Uh, consider what Jesus says in Matthew uh, chapter 7. Which one of you if his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Let it sink in. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? God does not want to give you junk. He's not here to give you serpents and stones. I know some of you think that all God has planned for you is absolute misery. He is a good father who's working things out in a certain way that we don't understand at all, but he loves to give good gifts to his children. I think about my, my four-year-old who stalks me every day. And one of the things that he does when he finds me in the house often is he asks me for candy <laughs> all the time. And sometimes I'll bless him with candy. That's why he keeps asking. But sometimes I'll say, look, 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 um, I'm, you can't have candy. And as soon as I say you can't have candy, he'll say this. No, no I don't want candy. I don't want candy. I don't want candy. No, I, I don't, no, no, I said, no, I don't want candy. That's what he says. And so sometimes he'll come up to me and he'll say, Dad, I don't want candy. <laughs> I don't want it. And it's almost as if he's thinking, you may give it to me, 
but you may not. Are you going to give me a stone? Are you going to give me a serpent, right? I don't want candy. But as a father, I got to say, okay, I can't be pouring candy on this kid all the time. At the same time, I'm discerning what's best for him. And your father is discerning what's best for you. And I know in your mind you're thinking, why is this not good? My four-year-old is thinking, why can I not eat candy all the time? And you're thinking, God, why don't you answer the prayer? Just come on. It would make so much sense. And as a good father, he gives good things to his children. And sometimes from our perspective, we don't see it all the time. But he's a good father, and he loves you. And he loves to pour out his grace and blessings upon you. And he wants you to just keep coming to him as a good father and ask him. And you say, God, from my perspective, this seems best. But I'll trust you to decide. But from my perspective, this is what seems best. And keep praying until maybe God changes your heart to pray in a different direction. Keep praying. And as we find ourselves talking about prayer and, and closing up James on prayer, I, I, th- I think it's best I want to share a couple things with you on, on to, hey, let's do this. Let's pray. So what we're going to do um, is over the next three months, starting in February, we kind of want to pray together. If that's all right, we want to pray together as a church. Your elders uh, pray uh, Often during the month, we meet for prayer at different times. And we thought, hey, you know what? For three months, February, March, April, why don't we do this? Why don't we invite the congregation to just come and hang out with us and pray with us? So February, March, and April at 8.30 in the morning, come early. Uh, the elders are going to be downstairs praying. And we just kind of want, hey, come pray with us. Let's pray some big prayers. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray for the city. Let's pray for the world. Let's, let's get together and pray. Believing that God hears us. And somehow our prayers are taking part in history where, where God will respond. So that starts in February, three months. Come join us, 8.30 in the morning for prayer. But we want to have a time of prayer today. And maybe you need someone to pray for you. The elders are going to be... Station in the back and on the sides. You can come up for prayer. You, you, you want to ask for healing? We'll anoint you with oil and pray for you. If you just need prayer and you're suffering or prayer for someone else and they're suffering, we'll, we'll pray for them. But here's a great opportunity for us to respond to God's word and ask our Father for good gifts for as best as it seems to us and trust him with the results. Let's, let's kind of create this atmosphere of, of believing that our Father loves us, which is true, and spur one another on to keep going, keep persevering, and keep praying. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get started. Father, you know my heart and the cynicism I have when I pray prayers over and over again and they're not answered and I get frustrated. I know that some of my brothers and sisters here are just as cynical, wondering, doubting whether you hear, whether you answer, doubting whether you're a good father. 
But Lord, change our hearts to truly trust you, that you are a good father who gives good gifts to your children. You respond to the prayers of your people in your time and in your way. And may we just keep praying and not give up. And as many prayers are offered here in the next few minutes, may you hear our prayers. May you respond according to your will. And may we see real results in real time in history. May you stir your people up to pray, to pray about small things and pray about big things because we know that it's all small to you. For you are a sovereign father and we want to bring it all to you and we praise you that we have access through Jesus. And we keep coming to you through Jesus. And we ask in his name, amen.